Mother's Day looks a lot different this year. <sighs> Mommy needs a quarantine. And our moms may be spending a lot of time with their kids right now. A lot. Like, so, so much time. And even though they love their kids to the moon and back, Mommy, where are you going? sometimes moms need a little alone time. Mommy! You know, to recharge. Go talk to Daddy. Mommy! Where are you? No matter what's happening in the world, their favorite way to spend time is with their family. In good times, in hard times. Mom! Hi. You're breaking everything! In uncertain times. Thank you, Mom, for making time for us every single day. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I ask that you would watch over us as we go to bed and rest, that you'd speak to us in Bible stories and speak to us in... Uh... Well, happy Mother's Day uh, to all you moms out there. Uh, I hope this is a wonderful, uh, just an awesome day for you. It's not... Not an easy job raising kids, not for the faint of heart, uh, raising kids, maybe raising husbands too, if you have one. <laughs> it's not uh, an easy role. And so we're thankful for our moms. And, and I truly, from the bottom of my heart, hope you have uh, a fantastic day. Uh, hey, welcome to Edinburgh Church at Home. So glad you are tuned in. Uh, if you're tuning in, maybe for the first time, maybe you would want to like our Facebook page and follow us so you can stay up to date with everything happening here at Edinburgh Church. But we are just so glad that you are tuned in uh, this morning. Maybe you want to write on uh, in the comment section, where, where are you watching from today? We'd love to hear from you and uh, know where you are at. We know we have people watching uh, all across the country and even all across the world. So again, glad you're, you're here. We are in a series right now called Crucial Questions. We've said there are just some questions that we have to ask. And uh, these are the most important questions uh, of, our, of our lives. Uh, and the answers to these questions, it is imperative that we get them right. And, and the question I want to answer for us this morning is what happens after we die? What happens after we die? Now, I know this is a topic we don't necessarily love to discuss. Many of us would kind of like to just stick our head in the sand and, and not think too much about death. In fact, I heard a story uh, uh, many years ago now about a nursing home that had this cat. 
And, and this cat could, could somehow sense when somebody was about to pass away, was about to die. And, and the cat would come into their room and cuddle up at the foot of their bed. And it sounded like a nice and cute story. Except about a week later, this cat went missing. All evidence points to somebody off the cat, someone in the nursing home. They didn't want to know. I can just imagine seeing that cat poke its head around the corner, uh, you know, and come into your room. Uh, enough to make you a dog person, right? Someone offed this cat because it, we don't like to think about death. But at the same time, I can't think of a more important question to ask than what happens after we die? What is on the other side. So I just will, am hoping and, and praying that you will hang in there uh, this morning. But I, I kind of want to tee off the message uh, with, with a story. You know, Danielle and I, when we got married, uh, we planned a honeymoon. And we wanted to do something really, really, really nice. And so uh, I, I planned for us to go on a cruise. And not just some cruise. I mean, I tried to find like the nicest cruise that we could go on. Uh, you know, this was like uh, top of the line um, amenities. Uh, you know, they, it was all inclusive. Uh, you know, someone out in the lobby playing a grand piano every morning when we walked out. You know, swimming pool where they'd bring you food and drinks as you could just lounge. I mean, it was like top of the line cruise, uh, cruising. But this is going to sound kind of weird to some of you. There was this part of me that wasn't quite sure what we were going to do for an entire week on a boat in the middle of the ocean. There were like a few stops, but there was this part of me, and again, I know this might sound a little weird, that kind of wondered, what are we going to do with our time? Now, some of you are saying, well, it's your honeymoon. I, I can tell you what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, but then after like 10 minutes, now what? Okay, I'm, I'm kidding a, a little bit, but not, not really. But it's like, now what do we do with our time? <laughs> you know, now, now, now what? So I actually found myself like thinking, is this cruise line, is this going to be boring? Like an entire week stuck out in the middle of the ocean on this boat? I found myself like buying books. I was in school at the time thinking, I'm going to study. Like, what are we going to do to fill our time? I found myself wondering if this cruising was going to be, if it was going to be boring. And it wasn't, uh, it was a memory that we will never forget. It was one of the best trips of our lives. But I tell you this story because I think this is how so many of us think about heaven. So many of us believers, you know, if you've grown up in the church or been around for, you know, church just a little bit, you know, a few things about the Bible, you know that, that we believe in heaven, that those who put their faith in Christ go to this place called heaven. Yet I find that many people think that heaven it's kind of boring. And a lot of that has to do with some, some just, you know, misconceptions we have about heaven. Some of us, uh, you know, we have this picture of being like a baby floating around, you know, with wings playing a harp on a cloud. Okay, let me just say for the record, that's not in the Bible. The Bible never <laughs> teaches that. I don't know where that comes from. But, but some of us were like, you know, I mean, ah, I know the other place, uh, hell, I, I don't want to go there. So, you know, maybe being a baby floating around on a cloud wearing a diaper is better than that. But 
doesn't sound all that exciting. Some of us have this picture in our mind of, of, of heaven just being this one eternal long church service. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I love church. I love singing. Um, but I can only imagine the kind of quads you would have to have if we're standing for all eternity singing songs. And that's some of the picture, you know, that some of us have of, of, about heaven. I can see why if you think that, yeah, it might be better than the alternative, but you're not necessarily going to get excited for it. And my hope for us is to be excited for heaven. To be excited about this place that God promises us in his word. And so we need to dispel some of those myths, some of those things that aren't in the Bible. Things like we're going to be angels floating around or we're going to be standing around singing for all eternity. And that's all we ever do. But what I want to do today is I want to talk about what does the Bible say is true about heaven? What does the Bible actually teach us heaven will be like? And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at five truths about heaven that come from God's word that God wants us to know about. And um, we kind of got our work cut out for us. Uh, so I'm just going to jump on right on into this, uh, this first one here, okay? The first thing we need to know about heaven is that it will be a real place. Heaven will be a real place. Place. And I say that because some of us, we have this picture of heaven, like when I die, am I just like a spirit just floating around? Ooh, you know? Do I, do I just become one with the universe? You know, what, what happens exactly after we die? We need to understand that the Bible teaches that heaven is an actual, real place. We kind of get a picture of this in, in Revelation 21. The Apostle John writes this. He has this vision as he's exiled on the island of Patmos. He's an old man at this, at this time when he writes Revelation. And he receives this vision. And, 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 and let's read what John sees, okay? It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And listen to this. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Now, this, this requires some explanation here uh, because uh, we, we need to understand that what, what John is talking about here is at the very end of time. This is after Jesus has returned to earth. Bible teaches that one day Jesus is going to return to earth. There's going to be a judgment. He's going to make all things right again on earth. Okay. And then John sees heaven itself come down and rest on earth. This is our uh, eternal destination, by the way. <clears throat> heaven itself is not our eternal destination. Our eternal destination is actually living back on earth. It's, it's living in the new heavens and the new earth where heaven comes down and is now on earth. And so our eternal destination, some of you maybe have never heard this, is going to be in resurrected bodies living in the new heavens and the new earth. But the point I want you to see here is that heaven is an actual place that comes down. I don't fully understand this. Okay, it's described as a city. Here, but this is where believers go now when they die. It's an actual place. 
And if you have a problem, like, is it, it's kind of a struggle to, to, to wrap your mind around that and to believe that it's this actual place, I encourage you to think about the resurrection of Jesus. When Jesus was raised, was he raised as a spirit? Or was he raised in a body? He was raised in a body. Okay? We're told he ate with the disciples. And, and when he was eating, it wasn't like he was Casper the ghost, you know, as he's eating fish and you could see it going down. Uh, no, he had a physical body. In fact, Thomas, uh, you know, uh, comes up to Jesus and, and, and Jesus, not believing that this is possible, that Jesus has been raised from the dead. And Jesus is like, look at the scars on my hands. He shows him the scar on his side. And what does Thomas do when he sees Jesus physically raised from the dead? He falls to his knees. My Lord, my God. He recognizes finally who Jesus is. Jesus, by the way, was on the earth for over 40 days. People saw him. He was still teaching and preaching, okay? And then Jesus ascended back to heaven in a, in a, physical, in a physical body. Jesus was in a physical body. Jesus went somewhere where, where he now dwells, where, where he now reigns. And you say, well, if he's in heaven, how can he be with me? Because don't we talk about Jesus being with me in life and... And um, having a relationship with Jesus now, well, that's because Jesus is God. So he's physically in heaven, but spiritually, he's able to be present everywhere. He's all-knowing. And so spiritually, he's able to dwell in our hearts. But physically, okay, Jesus is in heaven in his resurrected form, his resurrected body. His body is a little different. Uh, I will say that uh, because... <laughs> Um, you know, the disciples are hiding in a house at one point when it says Jesus appeared in the house. I, in our new bodies, are we going to be able to teleport? And Jesus seems to do that. I don't know. When Jesus ascends to heaven, are we going to be able to fly? <laughs> I don't know. These are questions that I still have. Uh, but what we do know is Jesus was in a physical body and now dwells in an actual, real place. And by the way, when we die, we go to this place immediately. How do we know this? Uh, if you remember the story when Jesus is dying on the cross, he's, he's crucified between two thieves. And one of the thieves uh, says to him, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He puts his faith in Jesus. And do you remember what Jesus says? Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And so Jesus refers to this place as paradise. He says, today, because you have put your faith in me, you will be there immediately. Okay, so the first thing we need to know about heaven is that it's an actual real place that we go to. The second thing that uh, the Bible teaches us about heaven is that we will see our loved ones again. We're going to see our loved ones again. Those who have uh, died as, as believers, we, we will see them again. First uh, Thessalonians 4 uh, tells us a little bit about this. And just to set this up, um, the church there, the church of Thessalonica, they thought Jesus was going to come any day. And he didn't. Jesus is still, has still yet to, to return. He's waiting for more people to be saved. They thought he was going to come any day and, and he, he was being patient. He hasn't come back yet. And so what started to happen is they started to have their, their loved ones started to pass away. Moms and dads started dying. Grandparents started dying. Siblings. And so the people there started grieving because they thought Jesus was coming back. 
And so Paul writes them and he says this. He says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. Your loved ones who have fallen asleep, who have died. He says, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind. He's saying, we don't want you to be uninformed because we don't want you grieving like like the rest of mankind who have no hope. He says, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Okay, so this is talking about the rapture, the day where Jesus returns. But here's what's going to happen. All those people who are now in heaven are going to come back. And and the people who are believers on earth are going to be caught up and are going to be with their loved ones again. Okay. But, but, but what I want us to see, what this, the implication of this is that those people who have died before Jesus returns, they're all together right now. They're in heaven together. It means when we die and we go to heaven, we're going to be with our, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, again, some of you, you're going to get to sit down and have a conversation with your dad again. Some of you, you're going to be able to receive a hug from your mom Again, you're going to see your loved ones, your friends who, who have died again. We'll see our children again. And I know some of us, we say, well, well, what about those loved ones in my life? I'm not sure. I'm not sure they're in heaven. Here's what I just want to say to comfort you. You know, this is where you just have to trust God. You have to let God be God. You have to remember that God is good, that he is a just and fair God. And you never know what happens in a person's heart before they die. It's one thing I've learned as a pastor. I've heard about too many, you know, deathbed confessions. You, you just, you don't know, like the thief on the cross. Remember me when you come into your kingdom, Jesus. You just don't know. And so you have to trust God there. But here's the other thing I would say to us. Friends, let's don't forget we have a mission This is why we have to tell people about Jesus. That's what the church exists to do. This was the mission Jesus gave us. It wasn't to make everyone happy. It wasn't to make everyone comfortable. It was to tell people about Christ so that one day we will see them again. Which means sometimes we have to change our strategies around here. Sometimes we have to change things up around here. Why? So we can be more effective in telling people about Jesus. And I promise if that leads to your child coming to know Jesus so that they spend eternity with you in heaven, you're going to thank me for it one day. You're going to thank the leadership of this church for it one day. Friends, this is the mission we have been given. This is why there's nothing more important than we can do and tell our friends, our neighbors, our children, our siblings, our parents, our grandparents about the hope we have in Jesus' name. Because those who are in Jesus, we will spend eternity with them. We will see them again, okay? The second thing we need to know about heaven. Here's the third thing. We will still experience a variety of emotions. I think a lot of us, uh, we, we, we don't know it, it, what, you know, we kind of think, is heaven going to just be boring? You know, are we just going to be like robots? The Bible actually teaches we're going to experience a wide variety of emotions, okay, um, that might even surprise you. We, we know there's going to be a lot of rejoicing, for sure. We know there's going to be a lot of uh, happiness and, and, and just, we're, we're told about banquets and feasts and things like that in, in heaven. Uh, um, in fact, in, in Luke 15, 7, we, we read this, Jesus says this. He says, I tell you, 
that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now, notice that there's going to be rejoicing in heaven. And who's he talking about? He's talking about us. Those of us, at least, who have died and gone to be with Jesus. How we know that if you read Matthew's account, he actually says there's going to be more rejoicing in the presence of the angels. It's not the angels rejoicing. It's believers. Okay. This tells us something, by the way. A little controversial, but this tells us something. Did you know that you and I are going to be aware of what's happening on earth? When we are in heaven, we are going to be aware of what's transpiring on earth. We read that in front of the angels, when we see somebody come to know Jesus, we're going to rejoice. We're going to be aware of that. And then this helps inform what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12. Listen to this. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, underline that, a cloud of witness, let us throw off everything that hinders and, and, and the sin that so easily entangles. This idea of a cloud of witnesses, this is actually a reference to the Colosseum. It was a reference to a stadium, an arena, where, where you have people in the stands cheering on those who are on the field. And what the author of Hebrews is saying, it's like we're on the field right now and we've got a cloud of witnesses cheering us on. Who, who's the cloud of witnesses? The people who are right now in heaven. They're cheering us on. Do you realize you have people in heaven cheering you on in your faith? Saying, come on, you can do it. Come on, Edinburgh Church, you can do it. Tell more people about Jesus. Love people better. They're cheering us on. Like run the race. Don't give in to that sin. Come on, you can do it. This is what is happening according to the scriptures. Now, some, some, someone might bring up the question, and it's a good question to say, well, if we're aware of the things happening on earth, won't we be kind of heartbroken? Won't we be kind of sad when we see all the pain and the things that are happening in this fallen, in this broken world? Well, actually, I'm here to tell you, there, there's evidence that there might be a little bit of that. Where do I see that? I see that in Revelation 6:10 and 11. This is talk another of one of John's visions. Talking about believers who are, who are killed for their faith. Listen to this. It says, and they cried out in a loud voice. They cried out to God. How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge those who live on the earth and avenge our blood? They want justice. They're angry. This is people in heaven, angry. God, how long until you bring justice to the world? But then each of them, we're told, was given a white robe and told to rest, to rest a little while longer. God has to settle them down. He's like, rest, rest. It's gonna be okay. Friends, what I'm trying to help you to see is there's gonna be a wide you know, variety of emotions that we're going to experience in, 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 in heaven. But you might think, well, then how are we not just going to be depressed? How are we not going to be? Because, because doesn't the Bible say that God is going to wipe away every, every tear from our eye? When does God say he's going to wipe away every tear from our eye? That's in Revelation 21, after what we read earlier, when the new heavens come down to earth, where God has judged the world, he's gotten rid of the devil, he's, 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 he's brought justice, there's no more evil or sin in the world. That is when 
We're told now that God wipes away every tear from our eye. I'm here to tell you when we're in heaven, we're going to be caught up still in the human drama happening here on earth. But there is a key difference that we need to be aware of. Perspective. Perspective. You and I have such a limited perspective right now. In heaven, we're going to be with God. God's going to be there comforting us. God's going to be there telling us his plan and what he's doing. And so our perspective will change. It's kind of like this. This is a little bit of a crude illustration, but it's all I could, I could come up with this week, all right? It's like, so my kids, or two of my kids, Logan and Michaela, they're, they're 11 now, but when they were around the age of 10, Danielle and I started having the birds and the bees conversation with them, okay? And the question was, like, we were, Danielle and I wrestled with, like, how do you talk about sex, you know, with, with, your, with your 10-year-olds? Like, like, where do you start? How do you compare it, you know? So you're just like, you know, sex, it's, it's kind of like ice cream. You know, you know, you love like ice cream. You know, ice cream is really enjoyable. And they're like, oh, ice cream? They're like, is there ice cream in sex? And you're like, well, I mean, not usually, but you never know. It's like, it's like, it's like how do you compare like the, the peak of, of human pleasure? Like, how do you help a teen to understand what you're, they can't. They can't because they, they just, they haven't experienced it. They, they're just not ready for it. Their minds can't comprehend it in their innocence and at that, that age. They, they don't have the same perspective that Danielle and I do. Friends, th this is th th the same about heaven, okay? We just cannot understand. We can't know what we don't know. But in heaven, we are going to have such a different perspective. We are going to see how God is truly working out all things for a glorious end. And we're going to be rooting on believers in the church and missionaries who are going overseas, telling people about Jesus in churches who are proclaiming the gospel. And we're going to be a part of God's drama being worked out on earth. It's going to be something else. It's going to be something else, but I will say this. In heaven, we're going to simply be able to cheer on. Right now, if you still have breath in you, you have an opportunity to actually live it out. Church, we cannot forfeit this purpose that God has given us right now. We have an opportunity to live out the mission Jesus has given us. You realize there's one thing in heaven you won't be able to do. In heaven, you won't be able to tell one person about the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's something we get to do now. And so we don't want to waste our lives. We want to put God's kingdom first and make sure we're spending our lives partnering with the church to live out the amazing redemptive mission that God has given us, okay? Fourth thing we're gonna do in heaven, we will have work to do. Did you know this? In other words, what I'm saying is you're gonna have a job <laughs> in heaven. The Bible teaches that one day we are gonna have a, a, a job, and this is kind of rooted in our theology because when God created us, he created us to work. In fact, we read about this in Genesis 2. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. 
God created Adam and Eve to work the garden and spread that garden over the world. They were created to do something, to have a purpose, to have goals. God gives us a free will. And in heaven, he's still going to want us to use our creativity. He's still going to want us to have goals. He's still going to want us to build things. They're going to be things that God wants us to do in his heavenly city. Some of us say, but I hate my job. I don't like working. That's because of sin. We're told that after Adam and Eve sinned, thorns came into the world. Thorns, meaning problems at work. Doesn't work often feel that way? It's like you take two steps forward at work and then it's like three steps back. We experience all kinds of challenges that make work miserable now, but one day work is going to be, it, the thorns are going to be removed and work is going to be fulfilling. Work is going to be purposeful. It's going to bring, help bring meaning to our lives. And, 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 and there's something that I read in the Bible that I just feel like I, I've got to bring up because I, I don't want anyone getting into heaven and holding this against me saying, pastor never taught me this. But apparently there's evidence that the way we live our lives now here on earth will affect the kind of job that we have in heaven. Where do I see that? Well, there's this story where Jesus, that Jesus tells and he talks about a master who gives his servants this money. And he tells them, take this money. Some of them have more, some of them have less. He says, whatever I've given you, take that money and invest it and use it. To make me a prophet. And so then he comes back and we're told that the one he gave the most to did well. I mean, he took that money and he invested it and he made his master a prophet. And then here's what we read. His master replied, listen to this. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will now put you in charge of many things. This is talking about heaven. Come and share your master's happiness. He's saying, I gave you a little bit. You were faithful with that. Now I'm going to give you more responsibility. Enjoy, enjoyable, fulfilling responsibility. This is, this is what the Bible's saying is so that when right now we've all been given time, some of us more, some of us less. We've all been given talents, some of us more, some of us less. We've all been given resources, money, some of us more, some of us less. But he's saying, what are you doing with it? Are you using it to grow my kingdom? Are you using it to build my kingdom? Is it, if, if you are being faithful, he's saying one day, I'm gonna make that up to you. That's who our God is. He is a God who, who rewards. This is, this is called heavenly rewards. A God who rewards our faithfulness. Now listen, you cannot earn salvation. That has already been earned for us. Jesus earned salvation for us. All we can do is receive the gift of salvation. But you do earn for yourself rewards in heaven. Did you know this? There's actually two judgments. The first judgment is, do you get into heaven or not? Go to heaven, do you go to hell? There's actually a second judgment. We read about this in 2 Corinthians. Listen to this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. This isn't talking about salvation. This is talking about our rewards. He's saying, are you, are you being faithful 
with what I've given you because one day we will stand before Jesus and I don't want you being mad at me because I didn't tell you about this part. That yes, some people in heaven are gonna have more than others because they sacrificed, they were faithful. They put God's kingdom first here on earth and God is going to make that up to them. That's why Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. He says, where moths and vermin destroy and, 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 and thieves break in and steal. He says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So you store up for yourself treasures in heaven where you're gonna spend your eternity. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like, imagine if you had a check that was worth a billion dollars. Imagine, imagine if someone wrote you a billion dollar check. Maybe Jeff Bezos or somebody. He's like, Here, here's a billion dollars. You had that check. Now you haven't cashed that check yet. You can't enjoy the benefits of that check yet, but the check is in your possession. Are you gonna be happy are you going to be joy-filled with a billion-dollar check that you know you get to take to the bank? Absolutely are. You're going to be dancing all the way to the bank. That's our life now. As we serve God, as we're faithful stewards with what God has given us, as if we partner with the church to see his kingdom grow and be a part of his redemptive purposes. Friends, it fills us with joy. Why? Because we know that one day God's going to make it up to us. We know that we get to one day cash that check and enjoy those things for all eternity. We get to rejoice in that now, even though we don't get to enjoy those things now, we get to rejoice in it now because we are storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven where God is going to one day make up all of our sacrifices to us. And I, my hope for each and every one of you is that what you're going to hear is well done, good and faithful servant. I trusted you with a little bit. Now I'm going to trust you with much more. Okay, last thing we got to talk about though. Last aspect of heaven I want us to talk about. We will worship. We will worship. Now, now maybe for some of you, that doesn't sound all that exciting because for some of you, 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 you've bought into this lie that all worship is is singing. Worship is so much more than singing. Singing is just one aspect of, of, of worship. You know what worship really is? It's living your life for God. It's really what worship is. It's simply living your life for God, every area of your life. Paul makes this very clear in Romans 12, 1. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, that's in view of the, the gospel given to you, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What is worship? It's living our lives to please God. That's what worship is. How do we handle alcohol? How do we handle sexuality? How do we handle relationships? Are we being loving? Are we being forgiving? Are we being merciful? Are we, are we telling people about Jesus and living out the, the kingdom mission that we've been given. This is all worship. Simply how we live our lives. And here's what you need to know. In heaven, this is not going to be hard to do. Why? Because we are going to be in the presence of our God. That's why. Friends, he is so much more than you think he is. He is so much more loving than you think he is. He is so much more beautiful more beautiful than anything you, anything that you've tasted here on earth that you think is beautiful it is a small glimmer 
that has come from the creator who is beautiful, who is beauty. We're going to be in his presence. We're going to be in awe and wonder day and night, living out the different functions God gives us in heaven. But our minds are going to be filled continuously, each day more and more. We're, we're never going to stop learning about God. You, in heaven, you will go on to all eternity learning more and more about who this God is, how great he, he is so much more than we think he is. There's this story in the Old Testament got to tell it real quick, where Moses says, God, I just, I want to see you. I want to see your face. And God's like, I can't show you my face, Moses. He's like, I can't show you who I actually am. He says, man, if I showed you who, who I was, if you actually saw me in all of my glory, he's like, Moses, you, you would die where you sit. Your brain would be so overwhelmed with my glory, with my beauty. Your brain would be so filled with wonder, you would act, it would actually kill you. He says, oh, Moses, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you behind a rock and I'm just going to show you a glimmer of myself. I'm going to pass by. I'm just going to show you a glimmer. Moses is like, yeah, all right, just a glimmer. I'll take it. And so God passes by. He gets a glimmer. We're told for the next week, Moses shows up like a glow stick. Just from seeing a glimmer of God. Friends, we are going to be in the presence of this God and we are going to see him. We're going to be in a position where we can actually see him as he is day and night. We are going to naturally, naturally worship this God. And see, that's what some of us think. We're like, ah, yeah, you know, heaven sounds great, but it's like, I still want to get married here on earth. I hope there's still time for me. Like, I hope I can still do some of these things on earth. But what you don't realize is there's such a deeper longing in your soul you think it's to be married to somebody? Well, what I'm telling you, man, you're, what you're actually longing for is you are longing for security. You are longing for a, a love, a relationship with another person that fills your soul. And I'm telling you, nothing will be deeper than that. Than when you stand before God and are changed from one position of glory to another. You're going to be changed. And it's going to fill your soul in a way that nothing here on earth can do. All your insecurities, all your anxieties are going to be done. You'll have no more fears. The best therapist in the world couldn't get you to what's going to happen when you stand in the presence of God and have your soul overwhelmed by his love, beauty, and glory. And so how, how you say, I can't get my mind around that. I can't, I can't understand that. Of course you can. It's like trying to explain sex to a 10-year-old. This is all beyond us. But one day we will be in his presence and what we can know is that we will be changed from one degree of glory to another and that will go on for all eternity. And we will naturally, we won't have to be told, we won't have to be forced. We will be compelled to worship this amazing, amazing God. So I wanna end by just giving you two challenges Here's my first challenge to you. Friends, don't waste your life. I don't know how much time you have left here on earth. Nobody does. Do not waste your life. Well, you're talking about a little bit of time that you have on earth compared to eternity. Use this time that God has given you to live in such a way that brings him pleasure, that pleases God in every act, every area of your life. 
your money, your sexuality, whatever that is for you. Just live in, in such a way that would make God happy. I, I, I want every one of you to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, when you stand before him. And my second challenge to you is this, make sure you're going to heaven. Now you can know. You don't have to guess. You don't have to wonder. You can know. Jesus has earned it for us. That's why Jesus died on the cross. He paid for our sin. He buried our sin. And he was raised from the dead and ascended to heaven and says, I go to this place and I'm going to prepare. I'm going to my father's house and I'm going there to prepare a room for you so that you can spend eternity with me. I wouldn't lie to you, Jesus says. If this weren't true, I would tell you, but it's true. All you have to do is receive it. Can't earn it. We can't work for it. All we have to do, I need you. I need salvation. God, give it to me because I desperately need it. I'm thirsty for it. If that's your heart, here's what you can know. It is yours. The work has been done. It has been accomplished through Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Oh, Jesus. Help us not to lose sight that the best things are still yet to come for our life. That if we, are, if we have your salvation in us, that's what we can know. No matter how hard life is here on earth, no matter how many bad days we have, what we know is that the best, is like, even, if we, even if life is awesome here on earth, it will pale in comparison to what's coming. It's true for every single one of us. The best is still yet to come for those of us who have the salvation you give. And so Lord, my, my prayer is for those who are listening that they will know where they're going when they die. And if that's you out there right now, you're like, I'm not so sure. I, I don't know. What do I need to do? I'm just gonna lead you in a prayer. You can just pray this in your heart. But you say, Jesus, I need a savior. I want salvation. So forgive me of my sin. I confess I'm a sinner. I, 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 I don't deserve heaven. None of us do. But that's why you came for me. That's why you died on the cross for me. That's why you rose for me and ascended for me and now sit in heaven waiting for me and so that I could experience it so that I could be with you forever. Jesus, because of your sacrifice, because of what you've done, would you give me this promise of eternity now? And then would you help me by your spirit to live for you for the rest of my life so that I don't waste my life, but I live it with this grand purpose of seeing all things saved and reconciled and made right again. Help me to use my life to that end, to make you happy. Thank you for this free gift that you give it freely. Today, I receive it and will now live it and walk in it. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.